Welcome to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Each weekday, Dr. Crisp will be discussing biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Tune in daily to start your day right and deepen your understanding of how to better walk the way and enjoy the journey. Here's your host, Dr. Tony Crisp. Welcome to On the Way. This is Tony Crisp, and this is the 365 Bible Reading Plan. Today is October the 20th, and our chapter for today is the last chapter of the book of Galatians, chapter 6. As you recall, chapters 5 and 6 are a single unit. Paul has been talking about all that God has done for us and what he has accomplished in us and through us in the first chapters of the book of Galatians. He's dealt with the aspects of how God has used the Jew, how he's used the Gentile, but that the gospel is that Jesus Christ is the only way of salvation. He is the Messiah, and that without him there is no hope whatsoever, that we are saved by grace through faith, by trusting Jesus alone, not plus anything, not plus circumcision, keeping the law, being a good person through any kind of baptism, church membership, anything you want to name in the Western world or anywhere else, it is Jesus and Jesus alone. Now, what happens when we become followers of Jesus? His life, his spirit comes to live within our hearts. It was to the Colossians that the apostle Paul said, Christ in you. Messiah in you is your only hope or expectation of glory. That's our hope. That's not wishful thinking. That is assurance. That's the word hope in the New Testament. And so the Holy Spirit is God in us. You see, Jesus was God with us, and now the Holy Spirit is God in us. It is Christ in us. And so The Apostle Paul said that when Jesus is in us, we are to stand free in the freedom wherewith he has made us free. If the Son shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. And so he says in verse 7 of chapter 5 that they had been hindered because they had been listening to someone else. But when a person comes to faith in Christ and becomes a child of God, there is a desire in his life, her life, to want to love in a supernatural way, serve in a supernatural way, obey in a supernatural way. These are the results of living the Christian life, the life of a follower of Jesus, and that is to love, to serve, and to obey. And so he said, if we would indeed walk in the spirit, according to verse 16, we would not fulfill the lust of the flesh because these two are contrary one to the other. If we walk in the spirit, then we will walk outside of the dominion of the flesh. Verse 19 through 21, he talks about what is the flesh and what are the works of the flesh. Now, why does he have to name these? We should know it. Any Christian should know it. Anyone should know it. But he names these so that we will understand the parameters of what is flesh and what is not. He comes to verse 22, and he talks about the fruit of the Spirit. Now, notice the difference. In verse 19, he talks about the works of the flesh. Do, 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 do. The energy of the flesh. But when he comes to 
verse 22 and talking about the spirit-filled life, then he's talking about fruit. Why? Because fruit is not something that is produced through the straining or the work or the energy of the fruit. It is that fruit is produced when the branch is connected to the life of the vine. Fruit is on a tree when that fruit is produced through the life that comes through the branch that is attached to the tree that goes down to the root where the nutrients come from. All to say what the Bible does teach is those of us who belong to Jesus, there's going to be a certain fruit that's in our lives, and it is going to produce itself as we are tied to the vine. This is why Jesus said in John 15, I am the vine, you are the branches. The one that is remaining, abiding, is consistently attached to uh, the vine, will produce fruit, and that fruit will last forever and ever. It will remain. He comes to chapter 6, and he continues his theme of loving, of serving, of obeying. And he says, brethren, he's talking to believers. He's talking to those who are followers of Jesus. If a man is overtaken in a trespass, if a man steps over the line, if a man slips down, if a man stumbles, all of those things are going to happen in the life of every believer. It's not something that necessarily is intentional. It's just that many times we get so close to the edge that we know better than to get that close, and yet we do, and bad things happen. How many times have you heard of parents saying, now stay away from that ledge, stay away from that fence, stay away from that vine, stay away from whatever it is. Why? Because they don't want them to get close because if you get close to a dog that is angry and known to bite, if you get close enough, you're going to be bitten. In other words, it's not the intention to fall off the edge, but if you get close enough, you're going to. And this is the whole idea here. It's not that somebody's wanting to be hurt. It just means that from time to time, there's going to be a person who is overtaken. It's something that didn't mean to happen, but it did. He said, you who are spiritual need to restore them. Why? Because when someone is overtaken and they slip and they fall, usually there's brokenness associated with that. So what does he say to do? Those of you who are spiritual and claim to be, what you need to do is help set that broken bone, that brokenness back in its proper place. Now, is that going to hurt? Yes. Is that going to be painful? Sometimes. But it must be done. Why? Because you don't want that pain to increase, and it will. Infection will set in. Many times, if something is not set, then there will be crookedness. There will be uh, disuse. There will be paralyzation, and there will be paralysis sometimes in that because why? All the nerve endings, everything are damaged, and they have to be mended. This is what he's talking about. And we need to do that with gentleness, not in harshness, not in condemnation. But considering yourself, because you could be tempted just like they were, it just happens. It happens when we do things and our places and with people that we don't need to be engaged in behavior and thought patterns that we don't need to be. And so he said, bear one another's burdens. That means there again, this concept of loving people. 
Loving people when they're down, loving people when they're broken, loving people when they've gone over boundaries and they've gone too far. We need to restore them. We need to be mindful of our own sin and be careful not to be condemnatory, but loving, but also redemptive and disciplinary. And so he says, bear one another's burdens. That means there's going to be times when things crush us, they get on top of us, a burden that is so heavy, something that one person cannot bear. And we all know people who, because of sickness, disease, loss of financial means, whatever the case is, a burden that is laid upon a family or laid upon a person that is just too heavy for them. And what we have to do, if we call ourselves spiritual, is we need to get under that burden with them and help them to bear it. That's the idea of serving one another, of loving one another in the way that Jesus has loved us. So he said, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. What is the law of Christ? That's the royal law, that we love God and love each other. We love God and we love one another. We love God and we love those who are created in the image of God, especially those of the household of faith. For if anyone thinks himself to be something when he's nothing, he deceives himself. Listen, without Jesus, we are nothing because the curse will take us down. But he said, let each one examine his own work, that is his own behavior, And then he will have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another, for each shall bear his own load. This seems contradictory, but it's not. The concept earlier in these first five verses is that there are times when we step over the line and we bring harm to ourselves. We need help with that. We need to love one another enough to help someone out of that. Sometimes we're crushed. Sometimes a burden is on us so heavy that one person cannot bear it. No one could bear it. And so what do we do? We get up under that load as brothers and sisters, and we help them to bear that burden. But then he says, everyone has their own portion, their own load, their own backpack, if you will, that everyone has to carry. Just because we're uncomfortable doesn't mean that we don't need to bear our load and cover our own selves because that's exactly what it says to do. Then he goes into the concept of sowing and reaping. It's a universal law. We don't need to be deceived. Whatever we sow, that's what we're going to reap. Many times we sow wild seed, wild oats, as it's called in the South, and then we pray for a crop failure. That rarely happens. Whatever we sow, that's what we're going to reap. If we sow to the flesh and we spend time planting seeds there, then fleshly works and desires are going to grow in our lives. But if the Word of God is planted in our lives and we cultivate that, we're going to have fruit unto eternal life. And so this is exactly what he's talking about. And then he says in a tender and compassionate way what I talked about yesterday and uh, the podcast from uh, chapter five, that the apostle Paul was there in Galatia and he was having a very difficult time. I believe with all my heart that he had a thorn in the flesh, and that was more than likely a debilitating eye disease and disorder that was probably the mark of what happened to him on the road to Damascus. Because you see, God gave him that because of the revelations and all of the things, the stewardship that was given unto him. He did not want Paul to be glorying in him 
himself and boasting and looked like everything was just handed to him. And so the Bible says God gave him a thorn in the flesh. And Paul tried to get rid of that and asked God to get rid of it over and over and over again. And finally, God said, basically, don't talk to me anymore about this because I'm going to do something greater with this thorn in your life than I could do without it because in your weakness, I'm going to be strong in you and you're going to depend on me in ways you never would have if I had not have given you this malady, this affliction. And so Paul said, I would rather glory. I'm going to boast in this affliction because in it I am made strong. In my weakness, God has made me strong. So I'll glory in my weakness, in my infirmities, in what God has given me. And so the Apostle Paul, while he was at Galatia, was greatly afflicted with whatever it was that was bothering him. I believe it was an eye disease because it says in the text, in this book that we have just read through, if you've read through the whole book, you see that while he was there, he was in great affliction. And the scripture says that the Apostle Paul said to them, If you could have, you would have given me your very eyes. Now, why would they have given him their eyes? Because his were bad. That'd be like saying, I hate it that your knee has blown out. If I could give you my knee, I would give you my knee and I'd be crippled. That's what people who are loving would say. Why would they say that? Because his knee's bad. Why would they want to give him their eyes if he was afflicted? Because his affliction more than likely was some terrible affliction and malady and sickness of his eyes, some disease in his eyes. I personally believe, again, this is why Paul was accompanied everywhere that he went. But in verse 11 of chapter 6, he said, You see how large letters I have written to you with my own hand. Paul wrote this portion of the book of Galatians, basically his benediction to them, his blessing, his last words to them. He wrote with his own hands, and he had to do it like a schoolboy with big, large letters, capital letters, we would call them. And the reason he did that, because he could see the big letters, but not the small, minuscule letters that were just what we would call small case letters in the Greek text. And so, I believe with all my heart, Paul was experiencing what he was asking them to do for others. They were helping him. They were loving him. They were serving him. They were obeying the words that God had spoken through him because this is the life of the believer. So stand fast in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free and don't be entangled again in trying to keep the law. Do we need to obey the instruction of God? Yes. Do we need to follow God? Yes. Do we need to do all we can to please him? Yes. But the works of God that are greatest are those that are trusting in God's word and living in obedience to that, loving others and serving others. That's the way of the child of God. For On the Way, this is Tony Crisp. Thanks for listening to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Tune in every weekday for information on biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Fridays are for your questions. Email your questions to questions at TonyCrisp.org. Then just listen for your question to be answered on Friday's podcast. That's questions at TonyCrisp.org. Thanks for listening and have a blessed day on the way.